And now, let's get back to your weekly music and entertainment fix. Backstage with Sinead Nivorda. With all the best music, interviews and live sessions. On Radio Nova. Yet to come on this evening's show, you'll be going backstage with Courtney Taylor-Taylor of the Dandy Warhols. Conor McCaffrey of The Star will be sharing his tips on the gigs to check out over the coming week. For now, time for more great music here on Nova. When Primavera Sound announced this year's lineup for the festival in Barcelona, it was somewhat equivalent to everyone's wet dream. Radiohead, PJ Harvey, Air, Battles, Mudhoney, Parquet Courts, Royal Headache, Sugar Ross, Black Lips, Algiers, Peaches. The reaction threw up this question. Who isn't playing? Tickets sold out pretty quickly. The one band, though, that has been on everyone's lips since the announcement is Radiohead. It's been almost a decade since their last gig in Barcelona. There's been so much excitement building up for this show, also now aided by the fact that Tom York and co. suddenly released their album, Moon-Shaped Pool, earlier this month. The Oxford Quintet kicked off their world tour in support of the album last Friday, and they surprised fans by playing 10 songs the first time live ever, including talk show host Karma Police and Street Spirit Fade Out. They also performed My Iron Lung, which they haven't played live in seven years, and... They even teased Creep. This gig next week is just going to blow minds. They are playing the Heineken stage next Friday at a quarter past ten. I just can't get enough of this track of this album, really. Taken from Radiohead's incredible new album, A Moon-Shaped Pool, this is Burn the Witch on Radio Nova.
stage on Radio Nova. The Dandy Warhols and Nova with the impossibly infectious anthem from the year 2000, Bohemian Like You. The Dandy Warhols have been making music out of Portland, Oregon for about 
over 20 years now. They gained uh, recognition after they're assigned to Capitol Records and they released their major label album debut, The Dandy Warhols Come Down in 1997. In 2001, the band rose to new levels of fame after that very song enjoyed extensive exposure thanks to being featured in a Vodafone ad. They have gone on to release 10 studio albums, the most recent being Distortland, which was released just last month. You can catch the Dandies live in Dublin tonight at the Academy. And now, ahead of the gig and joining me backstage is from I'm Courtney Taylor. Taylor, Courtney, thanks for taking the time to have a chat with me today. Now, before we talk about seriously esteemed fans, one by the name of David Bowie and your amazing recording space, the auditorium, I want to start by asking about the recording process, as whilst a lot of bands tend to go for vintage analogue approach to recording, you take it to a whole other level. So tell me why you opt to record on an 80s cassette tape recorder. I've owned it since I was 13 years old and I'm fast on it, you know, and that was it. I just, I just needed to get these, I, I need to get the ideas down. Yeah. And, uh, and so, and I need them quickly because I'm a, I'm a pretty lazy artist. I, I want to um, get the technical part of it done within minutes. So then, once I get five or six of those, then I get technical. And uh, first thing in the morning, you know, get up and, uh, you know, do the technical thing. Plug that into the Pro Tools rig and start loading in all that stuff digitally, organizing it, lining up the grooves. There's, you know, tape slows down and speeds up naturally because it's an organic thing, so you've got to work around that digitally and adapt to it. And then I get five or six of those, and then we take those and we put them into the auditorium, which is one of the, one of the most perfect... Our studio is one of the most perfect studios probably in the world <laughs> as far as integrating analog, um, tube, and digital. We have, we've, we've really got an amazing collection. We've been doing this for 20 years, you know. So yeah. um, our collection of equipment is... is exactly what's necessary to do what we like which is part digital part analog you know it sounds amazing the the auditorium sounds really cool so you opened it in 2001 it just sounds like an incredible space and of course i can imagine you building up an impressive amount of instruments and and random equipment do you still use it for an art space and clubhouse parties and things like that or is it specifically more so for recording and rehearsing we have a lot of parties there, you know, but not like not public parties where we, you know, we don't advertise parties and do, we just it just you know we have a lot of friends, you know, around yeah. all the time. So it exists. It's huge. Um, we make film there. We make music, and um, most most of the local chefs of Portland, all the cool like you know badass chefs, know that you know bands come through there. We've had everyone from. You know, Bowie to the New York Dolls to the Strokes. You know, everybody's Black Angels. Sounds like an amazing arty space for like-minded individuals. It was an indulgent move. Really (laughs) indulgent move. Oh, why not do it? Speaking of Bowie, you actually got to know him on a personal level, didn't you? Yeah, it was was cool. It was really great. I mean, we didn't, you know, we didn't feel like, oh, this is amazing at the time. We were kind of stupid and you know, just like, well, of course he does. So does Joe Strummer. So does Robert Smith. Everybody loves us, you know. <laughs> We're the only cool band in the world in 1999. So, you <laughs> know, who are they going to be into? You know, Creed? Limp Bizkit? <laughs> you know, who are these guys going to be into? They're not going to, they're not going to care about 
popular music in America in, in 2000, you know. So we sort of got to have, you know, we got to have everyone to ourselves, so to speak. Got all these cool guys, you know, these great legends and, and, and that was, that was great. David's a, David was, you know, that's that one. Losing David is like, you know, I don't even know how to describe it. I don't believe it yet. I still don't believe it. You know, like somehow I think he's still there and I still think about making him proud of us, you know. Oh, bless him. Like, but he came across, he became friends, fans, I guess, after seeing you play live. Can you remember what he said to you when he walked up to you? If you could even remember, no. I mean, you would have fallen down. Because <laughs> Bowie's basically I gone. Think I, was, I think I was just too busy hitting on his backup singer, you know? Oh, <laughs> Courtney. <laughs> I, yeah, I was like, you know, dumbfounded. She's so beautiful, so cool. I couldn't believe it. She's beautiful, chatting with her. And, and then, you know, the great man is, you know, poking me in the shoulder. Hello, Courtney. Fantastic, whatever. I'm like, hey, hey, good to meet you, man. Hey, oh, don't, don't, don't leave. Where, hey, sweetheart, where are you going? What's your name? Yeah, it, yeah, <laughs> terrible. It, oh, you rascal! It was, it was always fun to see, to see David Bowie, you know, and go to the studio and meet him. Okay, we'll meet you here, and da da da. He definitely made us feel like we were outrageous, like. You know, Bowie made oh you God. feel outrageous. You're kidding. Oh yeah. How? Just everything we did just seemed like, I don't know, trash, comedy, vaudeville. You know, it was it was fun. It was really cool. It was, and we were very intent upon what we were doing at the time. And and um, you know, you don't really realize the magnitude of that of having like the great man really just there just available to you all the time. We didn't understand that. I don't think he understood it either, though. I mean, he was very, you know, disappointed in, in the world, not understanding that his, you know, those records that he was making were his greatest works. And, uh, and the world was this and that. It was like, terrible. This is awful, you know. And people are into terrible music. Why did this happen? What on earth corporate agenda has changed things so badly, you know. I'm positive that he had no idea what his death would do to the world. It was it was our Elvis. He didn't know he was our Elvis. He thought he was just, you know, he thought he was just another, you know, guy who was big. And, uh, you know, he wasn't... Jones was playing 100,000-seat venues, and he was playing 25,000-seat venues. He was... He didn't understand. He was... He did not understand the magnitude of David Bowie. He didn't understand it. Uh, we didn't. Nobody did. No. He sounds like such an incredible, humble guy. And it's so sad to think that he was so frustrated as he was with, with the world, of the way it had gone, and how his albums weren't relating to people. And he's such, he's one of the greatest artists, chameleons of our time. And just to think that he was so frustrated is so sad. He was such a great yeah. man. I mean, I, I don't know that he sat around being frustrated about it, but he said, you know, like, he was just a really jolly sort of, you know, intellectual. The, the jolly intellectual. He was, everything was really funny and absurd to him in the world, pretty much. Almost 99.99% of everything was just funny and was a, was a was game to him, yeah. as far as I knew. 
That's great. I wasn't don't... like a great friend. I didn't crash on his sofa and wake up hungover and make eggs with him or anything, you know. But <laughs> we did spend a, a little time together, and he was, you know, like I said, he was available. He was available to us. It was crazy. Special, yeah. Oh, amazing. I'm privileged to be in his company and got to, yeah, exchange your thoughts and feelings about Yeah, you. and, and you know, and Joe Strummer was the other one that was, wow. you know, that was really really special personally uh, the band didn't know him he just sort of just showed up one day mate you're odd man to get old of mate you know and well yeah he would be one of my legends definitely up there the clash oh, the most important another bands. guy who was who was at a point in his career that he did not understand even remotely understand the greatness of himself he had uh, no idea <laughs> the magnitude of because it was you know it was um what was that, probably 2001, maybe, that I I met Joe and got to hang out with him. And we were his favorite band, you know. He was the greatest, you know, he's he just one person who said, you are the greatest guitar band in the world, Courtney. Oh. Love your bandmate. Oh, legend. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was great. Such a compliment, man, such a compliment. Thank you so much for your time. I better let it go. You probably have more interviews to jump into or rehearsal soon. I do. Soon, so. and sound check. I got to get running. Ah, oh, your sound check. Cool. Well, listen, Courtney. Looking for the man. Yeah, you are. <laughs> what a relief as well, I'd say. Courtney Taylor, the Dandy Warhols. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for your time. Thanks for being interested. It's flattering after all these years, you know. Oh, of course we're interested. All right. Cool. Bye, Courtney. Backstage. Entertainment update. And to help you out with your gig picks over the coming week is Mr. Conor McCaffrey of The Star. Well, hello. Hello, how's yourself? Uh, good, thanks. How's yourself? Not too bad. Everyone's in Bruce Springsteen Bruce mode. Springsteen mode! I know, he's <laughs> amazing last night! Uh, yeah, the whole town's going Bruce Springsteen crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it absolutely is. Oh, God, yeah. It's, it's, you're heading tomorrow, aren't you? I'm heading tomorrow, yeah. There's lots of people out spotting around Baggett Street because I think he's staying in the Marion Hotel. Oh, oh. And he was actually in... Um, Fly Fit Gym on Baggett Street. Get out of here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On Thursday night. I've been to that gym. Yeah, it's my Could gym. Could you imagine going in <laughs> for your, your spin class or whatever and there's like Bruce Springsteen working? Yeah, it's my girlfriend's gym and she nearly... Died? No, she wasn't there, but she was like, just going, oh my God, I can't believe it wasn't there. Fly Fit, above all places. That's absolutely amazing. Um, okay, so Bruce Springsteen mode, you enjoy tomorrow. And uh, we're going to get back to Dandy Warhols. I was chatting to Courtney earlier on, and uh, you've more to talk of this wonderful man in this band. Yeah, you might have uh, read many articles over the last few years, where are they now? But they're in the Academy in a few hours. Uh, they've got a new album out called Distortland. Then they're kind of, it's the same kind of grungy, glam kind of stuff they've been doing for the last few years. Not, not much has changed, but I mean, if you're a fan, that's that's perfect. They're still going to be remembered as Bohemian Like You, that song that was on every ad maybe mm. 14 years ago or something like that at this stage, isn't it? It's still it's such a popular one. Like, anytime I play it in a DJ yeah. set, people still go mad to it. Yeah, yeah so Bohemian Like You plus the new stuff. Gosh, <laughs> <laughs> they have a lot more than just that one <laughs> single, mister. Okay, uh, moving it on. <laughs> You're going to tell my first again. Oh, you've got me here, but I... Okay, I will talk about Bruce one more time just to say there are there are uh, there's actually tickets left still still, oh, still. For, for tomorrow night. Oh wow! Uh, so what's going on? I can't believe it. You've literally got a few hours to uh, get those tickets. Okay, get them. Moving on now to another festival coming up. This looks really really good this year, actually. Yeah, it's the first 
first big festival of the year, Forbidden Fruit in Emma. It starts next Friday, goes on the whole of the bank holiday weekend. Last year it was basically all techno and hip hop, but there's a bit more of a variation this year. You've mm. got battles who are probably worth it for, they're probably worth the ticket alone. Yeah. Playing their third gig in nine months, actually. Wow, okay. <laughs> And Tame Impala, who were supposed to be one of the highlights of the picnic, even though I missed them. And then you've got Steve Mason of the Better Band playing mm. as well. Then you've got Dizzy Rascal, Young Fathers. Loads of stuff. Loads of great stuff. That's yeah. a really cool festival. Speaking of festivals, I'm off to Primavera. I'll rub it in once again. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't mean to do it, I swear. Woo! Radiohead. Okay, enjoy Bruce tomorrow. I'll chat to you in a couple of weeks. Okay, have a good weekend. Next Saturday on Backstage. Well, around this time next week, I'll be rocking out in the sun in Barcelona at Primavera Sound. But you will get a chance to hear my dulcet tones next Saturday as you shall be treated to some of this year's best backstage moments. Take it easy and chat to you when I get back. Oh, and Bruce, if you're headed to the boss and the E Street Band tomorrow, have a ball. I am headed there tomorrow myself. Cannot wait for it. I shall hand you over now to the talented Peter Devon, who has impeccable taste in music. He's going to be spoiling you over the course of the next two hours with tunes from the Beach Boys, Tame Impala, Black Grape and the Boss. He's up next with the Saturday soundtrack right after the Nova News update at 7.